By the time you hear this podcast, you won't be scared when you pass the boats and the kingdom. Welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast. I'm Greg. I'm Ben. And we are back with episode 135. And hey, it's hey. the last one for the year of 2020. Uh, so Thank this. God. <laughs> 2020, man. 2020 was. Uh, you hear that people who ever signed your yearbook, what a long, strange journey it's been, and have no idea where they get that quote from. <laughs> uh, this has been a long, strange this year. This has been a long, strange year. Yeah. Uh, back in January, I was at the Super Bowl. <laughs> wow. Does that thing still, is that happening? I see signs, but <laughs> I also just read an article that there's a new strain of this thing. And it's more aggressive, so you know. Yeah, someone someone brought a UK version of it to America. It's, a, it's another British invasion, <laughs> 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 but not the kind that we want. No, nope, no, definitely not. Iron that. Maiden, <laughs> they're not coming. It's, <laughs> it's just COVID Maiden. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> I didn't know that. It, I didn't know that was a strain that made it. Crap, that sucks. It's like so aggressive. But hey, on the bright side. Uh, we have a guest. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, he was most recently on our episode where we discussed uh, Billy Idol's Rebel Yell, and he's back with us. We have Matt G. Hello. What's going on, I man? Waved, How are you? Like you guys could see me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, things are okay. Uh, how was your uh, How was your holiday? Uh, pretty low key because you know I didn't go home, so it was me and my two roommates just cooked some food, rode our skateboards, chilled out. It was cool. Nice, nice. Okay, okay. Yeah. So it's nice weather out there. Uh, it actually it was for the holidays. It was like in the seventies, sunny. It was great. And then yesterday it was rainy in the fifties. Today I don't think it got higher than like sixty five. So 
kind of up and down. <laughs> Hold on, it, it rains in Southern California? Very rarely, but yeah. I was going to say, because Raphael Zadig told me it never rains. Oh, those people are exaggerating. Because <laughs> like last year, when I first moved here, uh, I think it was like the month of maybe February. Uh-huh. And even actually most of December. I mean, there's it was raining most of the month. It was it was a lot more rain than I was expecting because everyone says the same thing. Like, oh, it never rains in Southern California. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I find it funny that Rafael Sadiq would say that because, correct me if I'm wrong, Greg, aren't they from like Oakland? Yeah, they're from Oakland. How the hell would they know? Like, <laughs> they don't even live there, but yeah, it's I, I've never heard of it raining there. The, this is the first time I've ever heard of it really raining in Southern California. So uh, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's it's rare, but definitely happens. Yeah, I think I saw the last time it snowed was like in the seventies or something. Like that's even rarer. <laughs> oh yeah, there was snow on the top of the mountains uh, back here. Not a lot, but yeah, where I go to the Chick Fil A, there's little snow caps. Mm. So it's paradise essentially. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, the seasons, um, looking at the Billboard charts, they are still in the Christmas spirit. Uh, because the number one song this week <laughs> is still All I Want for Christmas is You, Mariah Carey. Um, number two, Rocking Around the Christmas Tree. Uh, number three, Jingle Bell Rock. Number four, A Holly Jolly Christmas. Number five, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. Holy crap. They're, number they, six, they took over. Felice Navidad. <laughs> Number seven is Mood by 24K Golden featuring Ian Dior. So a current, a song from this uh, century. Um, number eight is Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow by Dean Martin. Number nine, Last Christmas by Wham. Number 10, Run Rudolph Run by Chuck Berry. <laughs> number 11, The Christmas Song by Nat King Cole. Number 12, Underneath the Tree by Kelly Clarkson. And number 13, Sleigh Ride by the Ronettes. This is crazy. This is but I don't the Christmas don't songs that have taken crazy. over the Hot 100. Um Ariana Grande Santa Tell Me is on here. Uh, Did you know there's an explicit version of that? I'm not that surprised. she recorded two versions of it. I'm Santa not surprised that that exists. Yeah. I saw it on one of those music choice channels cuz it was playing at some restaurant and they were like, "Oh yeah, there's also a least or lesser known more explicit uh, explicit version of this song that she recorded and i was like oh, of course she did whore <laughs> i bet it's hot <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's hot but let me stop <clears throat> yeah Merry Christmas. and sexually frustrated apparently yeah <laughs> oh yeah position she, yeah. she got a whole album about it yeah um, no kidding <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> So yeah, the uh, the the Christmas spirit took over the Hot 100. Let's look at the Billboard 200. It's probably the, more of the same. Um, let's see what we got. Well, number one is the album that came out two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Evermore. Still there. Taylor Swift is number one, debuting at number two. McCartney three by Paul McCartney. Oh, McCartney three, like. There were two more before. I don't know. That's just, I think of the blueprint, <laughs> the blueprint one, the Carter, the Car- like those albums, like McCartney's dropping like rap albums. <laughs> uh, number three, music to be murdered by, by Eminem. Uh, that was a strange album. 
I think it's come back up because he's uh I think he released like a deluxe version or like a remix okay. version, something like that. Uh number four, Christmas by Michael Bublé. <clears throat> number five, Merry Christmas by Mariah Carey. Number six, The Christmas Song by Nat King Cole. Number seven, My Gift by Carrie Underwood. Yes, that's a Christmas album. Number eight, Folklore by Taylor Swift. Number nine, The Best of Pentatonix Christmas by Pentatonix. Number 10, A Charlie Brown Christmas by the Vince Guaraldi Trio. Um, and another Christmas album that came up is A Christmas Gift from You for You from Phil Spector. Uh, <laughs> very That's interesting awkward. that people were buying that one. Um, maybe he's trying to get bail. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> oh, I was the gift. Is it? Let me stop. <laughs> the gift is gunshots. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's look at the artist 100. Number one is Taylor Swift. Still has the number one album. Uh, we got uh number two is paul mccartney he has an album out number three ariana grande number four eminem number five michael buble number six mariah carey number seven pentatonix number eight bing crosby number nine andy williams and number 10 <laughs> nat king cole just uh, pushed all the regular people out the way yeah <laughs> um so uh billboard charts were in the Christmas spirit. Um not a I'm trying to pay attention to what may have been happening in, in music news. One thing that came up today, and this this I feel like this happens more and more. Uh there's a story that came out about Young Thug saying that uh uh people can't recite 30 Jay-Z songs word for word. And I was trying to understand where that came from. Uh, but it seems like there are more rappers that are popular today that go out of their way to uh, go out of their way little. to dismiss, <laughs> you know, older rappers. That may be so considered a previous generation. <laughs> it's, it's funny you mentioned that. So I think the channel is Hip Hop Madness on YouTube. And they had a channel talking about why lyrical rap, not a channel, a video talking about why lyrical rap is no longer as popular. And I found this out and I did not know this. And I feel like, hey, this is our age showing. Um, not only do younger Rap fans hate lyrical rap. So lyrical rap being artists like Eminem, Jay-Z, and to an older extent, you know, Tupac, Biggie, maybe even Andre 3000, Outkast, you know, all that. <clears throat> they don't like it. They consider it boring, and they have a name for it. They have a name for it. You know what they call it? What? I'm not even joking. They call it Rapidy Rap. Oh, my God. That is the name of it. <clears throat> Um, and it was, I can't remember if it was Young Thug or if it was Lil Uzi Vert who was like, man, I don't even like, man, the little crap is just boring, man. It's just, you know, it's boring. I can't even listen to it. He's like, it's rapidly rap. That's what they call it behind our backs. <laughs> 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 they call it rapidly rap. So 
it's very funny that you mentioned this because there there is no respect for I feel like I'm calling them old, like the troubadours of rap. <laughs> the ones who came before and like, you know, were storytellers and lyricists and things like that. But now people they just want to either mumble or they want to be sing songy. Well, it's because so they it, just like can't funny. comprehend it. It's over their head. Like, what's wrong with them? Like, why don't they I, like I it? don't know. It's so weird though. Like they don't even they don't even respect like someone like Eminem anymore. They're just like, ah, he's just all those lyrics. I'm just like, well, see, that. with him, I can <laughs> sort of understand because he's still relevant. So, like, he can, you know, still come around and, and persuade people to like him or hate him. But, like, you think about, like, the Tupac or Biggie, like, they're obviously not making new songs. So, to dismiss it, to, like, to, to just all of a sudden hate that for it being too wordy or what? Like, that's just weird to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's too wordy. Um, too many <laughs> syllables. It makes them sound uneducated. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it really does. <clears throat> you know, it, it's got all these metaphors and I got to figure out what it means. <laughs> so one of the yeah. rappers they talked about, of course, like, you know, someone like a Kendrick Lamar, who's kind of been kind of immune to it. You know, he's still he's lyrical. He's still successful to an extent. J. Cole, although I, I feel like J. Cole does not care about success anymore. J. Cole just wants to, you know, he's like, I, I had the hit albums. I, I made he's my done money. it his I'm own way. But I yeah, he thinks with J. Cole, he's done his own he, way. Yeah. So, I mean, there are a few artists they said that were, you know, were, were relatively immune to it. And then a few artists that they said have, like, you know, have, um, I can't think of the names off the top of my head, but they've evolved. But for the most part, it is like, it's like a war. <laughs> like, they do not like it. And if, yeah, it's, and it was just really weird. And I'll, I'll share the video with you guys later because it's a very interesting video. That just talks about, you know, and I guess when you're young, you know, someone like Young Thug, who by all accounts, I know we discussed this at one point, or I think I know I had this conversation with Abe and just not Justin, Abe and Monario. He's almost like an elder statesman now, Young Thug. <laughs> <laughs> like at the age of 29, he's like an elder statesman of rap. And you've got a lot of rappers who are out now who look up to Young Thug. Um, he's become like the new Lil Wayne that all this this new crop of rappers are like, oh man, you know, Young Thug is this, Young Thug is that. And it's, it's, it's really interesting to see him because I, I would feel like maybe Jay-Z was somebody he grew up listening to and maybe, you know, was inspired by it, but I guess not, you know? I don't know. Uh, what I was trying to find here is uh, the clip in which he said these things. It's yeah, on I see it Twitter on, account on I'm trying TMZ. to pull up. Okay, I found. Okay, I found it. Here we go. All right, this is this is the clip of what of him saying uh, that his catalog is better than Jay Z's. You got to think like we ain't talking about stream sales. We ain't talking about nothing. We talking about anthems. We th we talking about songs they know. Mm -hmm. Like when I perform, I got 30, 40 songs that the whole stadium gonna know. They they gonna know these motherfuckers. All thirty songs. And that's some powerful shit. Yes, Sersky. There's not a lot of motherfuckers that can say that. Nigga, Jay Z ain't got thirty songs like that. Mm. Mm. But you just what the whole stadium finna sing. Mm. He got a lot though. Yeah, I'm just saying like I'm. I know he do for he for he for he probably got fit to them bitches. I'm just saying like I'm not just it's literally saying him. I'm just saying yeah, like absolutely. niggas, who you thinking? Absolutely, the man. Absolutely, because honestly, the I've been show I done did shows there, show brother, bro. I don't see niggas like, oh damn, I ain't know this song, nigga. I'm, I'm backstage, show, like, damn. I thought they knew this song from him. Uh, they don't even know this fucking song. Uh, damn. I don't. Even
Nigga, I'm so scared to get boo. I don't even perform a song they won't know. Nigga, I got a real goddamn hour and 30 minute list. 30 minute set, nigga. This shit got down 40 some songs. Mm. They know every song. Every song. It mm. ain't no dull moment. Every song, nigga. Like, what? I ain't even finna perform a song they don't know. Well, I want to book you for a show. How much I got to pay? Him. Mm. Say mm. what? Him. Hold on. Say it again. God yeah. damn! How much? How much, bro? Eminem. I went down because because pandemic. You went down. That's the pandemic price. <laughs> that's the pandemic price. You went. I'm dead serious. So yeah, uh, that was from the Barstool podcast. Million dollars worth of game. Okay, first time I've heard him talk before. <laughs> that's first time I understood I, what he said. I actually understood <laughs> the words. Like his songs, like. Hey, yeah. I don't care who I. I don't. You know, it doesn't matter what what you say. Um, as far as you know, if he has a hive, like a beehive or there's a thug hive, whatever. Um, I don't listen to Young Thug, and I normally don't understand anything he says in any of his songs. Uh, I'm I'm out of his demographic, so same. Yeah, uh, surprise, surprise. Me too. I don't think I've ever heard <laughs> a song of his. I was surprised that I understood what he just said right there. But yeah. Well, what bothered me the most, I mean, I understand what he means by having like a ton of songs that everyone knows. But when then he goes on to say that he has an hour and a half set and everyone's going to know every song, it's like, asshole, any band that has a huge catalog and a big following can fill up an hour and a half of songs people know. Yeah, that's. I feel like that's not special. No. <laughs> that's if they're coming to see you. I would yeah. hope they know your songs. Like, if they don't, then they're stupid and they wasted their money. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. I, again, like I understand his bigger <clears throat> picture point, but the whole, I got an hour and a half set that everyone knows like, okay, cool. So it's like yeah. every other person that has a huge career. And if I'm, <laughs> if I'm Jay-Z, I'm not even responding to this. No. Like this is like, to. yeah, like I'm, I'm Jay-Z and you're young thug. You're like, you're you're not me. I I've been at this. <laughs> Shit, I was listening to Jay Z when I was in middle school. Like Jay Z has longevity. Yeah. <laughs> and then he married like he married you know Beyonce you know the most one of the most successful R and B artists of all time and they have an empire and they're worth like a billion dollars and you're young thug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean like not one of it's like that. <laughs> what was that movie um with Chris Rock where he plays the um he dies and comes back as the old white guy. And he's like, I can crush oh, you with down my to wallet. Earth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'll crush you with my wallet. <laughs> like, that's what I feel like this is. But I mean, it's like, that's always kind of how it's been. Like, you know, I don't want to say that Young Thug's an up and comer, but like, you always, you punch up, you never punch down, you know. For Jay Z to come out and respond to this would, be just, would, would probably hurt him more than it would just if he just keeps quiet. Yeah. I don't see that he'll, I don't think he'd respond. Now, it would be funny if he did. Um, although, I'm, I'm trying to remember, was the, was Ether the... What was the last, like, beef he had with anybody? Like, I feel like the he's... The main one that was that. public uh, was with Nas as far as going back and was forth so on Ether? songs. <laughs> with Ether and TakeOver and Super Ugly. Um, yeah. But <laughs> recently, it's been, like, kind of ticky-tack with, um, with Kanye. Oh, with Kanye, <laughs> yeah. That's not a real beef. They're still there. I, I think they're actually really friends. <laughs> and this is just a show. <laughs> <laughs> they're just it's like, why, why would the two most successful like rappers? Right. Like, I guess. No, I mean, I don't know how hot they are right now, because Lord knows I don't really pay that much attention to hip hop. But like they just I couldn't see that being a real feud. 
That's funny. Um, but is, mm. is, that, is that like they don't? A lot of a lot of people will um, will say, "Well, yeah, I don't I don't know any Jay Z songs," and they and they listen to Young Thug, so it's like he's he's right by saying that. Um, and then, but the thing is, in that same clip, he backtracked when the the I think that was Gilly the Kid who's the host. He said, "Well, Jay Z does have a lot of them," and then he kind of backtracked and said, "Well, yeah, he he probably got fifty of them." But he used you used him as an example, though. Yeah. So it's like you clearly backtrack, like you clearly uh, try to clean it up. But you used him as an example because you have to use, you know, the the younger the younger rappers, the the next generation of rappers have to use some. They have to dismiss somebody older because. You know, there doesn't have to be any kind of respect towards history. There has to there doesn't have to be any kind of um, any kind of reverence, uh, even if it's a small amount of reverence to the previous generation of rappers who, you know, went through some stuff so you could do what you do at this point. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is kind of a and I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because this is really interesting. I feel like this is something that's exclusive to this generation, though, because. I don't remember rappers from when we were coming up just dismissing older rappers. They always acknowledged what they did, um, even if it was like paying tribute to them in a song, like by using one of their rhymes or something. Like, I feel like this is a, a, a this generation thing right here. I mean, I can't remember another, I can't remember this happening, you know, when we were, when, you know, in our, in our day, Jesus, I sound old <laughs> in our, I just, I don't remember this happening though. Like, I don't remember Jay-Z going back and being like, man, run DMC, man. I got more bangers than run DMC. Like, I don't remember them doing that. There was respect paid. There's another clip here of, <clears throat> um, this was from last month of why, uh, he never worked with, why Young Thug never worked with Andre 3000. And I didn't hear this whole clip, but here's what he said. I can't rap you 203,000 songs. I ain't never paid attention to him. Mm. Never in my life. You crazy. You missing out. Right. You missing out. Y'all need to work together. That's what you, hey, look. That'd be crazy. We we most definitely. Yo, motherfucking next move. Just like you went and worked with Elton John, nigga. But Elton John was like. More like Elton John. The difference from Elton John and Andre is Elton John. Like simplify it. Elton John. Elton John like to kiss ass. Andre like his ass here. <laughs> Elton John like, hey, okay. I love you. I remember what you, your first song. I remember Gucci first song. Uh, when is Goo Up getting out? Like okay, he just more yeah, of like a true. fan yeah. type of nigga yeah. to the point where it's like I'm like nigga, let's do music. He like nigga, bet. Uh, Andre more like, yo, this is the secretary. Like, hey, tell that nigga this thug, nigga. Why you gotta talk <laughs> like that, though, bro? Fuck wrong. Don't get on the fucking phone, nigga. No, you know what it is. He told you stupid ass answer. No, you, you answered it. See, that's what. <laughs> it's more like that, nigga. We from Atlanta, nigga. Then where I come from. See, this, Guess this, what? This what? This is our relationship. If I you become, don't if have I have to do that, if I become, this is our ally. No. Yes, he is, bruh. Who? He's with us. 3,000. He who, Eli? He's one of he us. He who, Eli? Us. Yeah. 
fucking right. Man, yes, he is. Why you don't rap like him? What do you mean? You don't talk like him, dress like him, look like him? Hey, man, that ain't for me. You ain't trying to, try to portray none of that. But you're doing it. Man, shit. Uh, so yeah, that was uh, T.I.'s podcast, Expeditiously, uh, which I should subscribe to. Um, was that Ti talking to him? Yeah, that was T. He was yeah. Okay. That was I, uh, I was like, oh, someone's respecting Andre three thousand. I was about to say, it <laughs> sounds like someone got defensive on Andre's yeah. part for good reason. I didn't. I couldn't really follow what the hell he was saying. Nor could I. Uh, <laughs> ba- like, what, it seemed like he, he was just offended that you know if you got to jump through a hoop or two to to work with Andre because he's very Andre three thousand. We you can say he's very particular. Uh, he does the, the one verse a year. He does one <laughs> verse a year. <laughs> so, um, and he's just, I mean, he, I, for, for one reason or another, he, he doesn't work as prolifically as other artists. Okay. So, it, so it may be, he has to be inspired, feel up to making music or he's just very, very picky, uh, and he's earned every right to be. And he, picky. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's and he's he's one of the. Right. I, it it would be beneficial for the current generation of rappers to be more picky because I feel like <laughs> Young Thug. I feel like Young Thug has like thirty albums, and 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 Ben, when we talked when we talked to Melinda about this, uh, when I mentioned Future. Uh, Future had just come out with an album, and I was like, "Well, if it flops, he'll come out with another one in the next six months." <laughs> and he did. He came yep. out with another album. So it's like Future has like fifty albums. So yeah. all this material out there, and and just because it may have like one good song on it, or one or two good songs, why right? why isn't the? I know Andre three thousand doesn't do this, but why aren't you? Why aren't the artists making song making albums if you're going to make one? with 10 to 12 good songs like these are the best songs i understand you may record a lot just to you know and then pick from there just record a lot of songs but that doesn't mean you have to put out all of those songs that you just recorded i agree yeah uh, and he could they could learn a lot from everything that outcast put out and i think we all agree here was usually like solid like they didn't put out garbage yeah um and if <laughs> if working with Andre three thousand is too stressful for you, young thug, and you just it you, wouldn't it didn't seem like because it was stressful for him. It was just he didn't like that. Like he he said Elton John, he called him and called him a kiss ass. But basically, he liked that Elton, Elton John was <laughs> was excited to work with him, and he didn't get that from Andre three thousand. So okay, I don't like him now. I don't respect him now. Sounds like a child. Have y'all even met in person? Like it's like like he just because like he's not excited to meet you. Maybe he's not paying attention to you like that. And because he's not paying attention to you like that, that's why you react the way that you. I mean, that's why you have this uh, this kind of attitude towards him. He probably he, he probably doesn't know who you are, or he just he's. He's just care. not. He's just not that into you. Like, you know? yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, he's and that's just so like to hear him. I don't pay attention 
to Andre 3000. Well, you know what? Andre 3000 don't pay attention to you. Like he don't like he probably won't even he'll probably hear about this interview and won't even listen to it because he's a legend. Yeah. <laughs> he's an all-star. He's a legend of Atlanta. And you're and you're trying to be like you just like he said, like he's from here. He don't sound like us. What does that mean? Like, what, yeah, what was that? You don't dress like him. You don't sound like him. You don't talk like him. Like, what does that have to do with anything? Like Andre Three Thousand's been doing this since the early '90s, man. Like, come on. Like he's like, he is one, he is like one of this. the more influential uh, artists from Atlanta, and because he dressed like he did, you know, wearing the turban and and the uh, the weird pants. Uh, young thug is you are in a way influenced by Andre 3000 because of how you dress. Maybe so it's like <laughs> it didn't, it makes even less sense for what you just said. Yeah. The influence really is there. <laughs> like the, the evolution of Southern rap, especially rap from Atlanta has gone through so many changes and he, he'd be, he is remiss in saying that he doesn't sound like us. Doesn't sound like Atlanta. Like that's, it's so it's, that's disrespectful. Like the 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 Jay Z thing was just kind of like, all right, yeah, whatever. Like to be like the guy, like the most influential Atlanta rapper, doesn't sound like Atlanta. Like, has anyone played Ludacris for him? Does because <laughs> <laughs> does he think like Ludacris doesn't sound like Atlanta? Like, come on, man. Ugh. Young Thug, do better. He's not. Dude, he's not going to do better. He, no, he's. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Um. Uh, <clears throat> were there any any music news or or topics that you guys would want to address before we get to Ben's earworm of the week? Mm. Well, I, think I feel so. like there was something, and I can't remember. Other than I've I've been seeing some very interesting covers, um, lately, but that's about it. Shout out to Spotify. Cool. You know what? I, speaking of Spotify, there is something I wanted to ask y'all about. Have y'all done the um, how bad is your Spotify uh, thing with the the um, it's like an AI bot that Mm -hmm. connects to your Spotify and it looks at all the music that you listen to and it tells you how bad your how bad your musical taste is. I heard about that, but I didn't do it because I don't use Spotify. Ben, what did you say? I said did Pitchfork make this. Uh, (laughs) It sounds like something Pitchfork would make. I th- Pitchfork has something to do with it because one, I don't think Pitchfork doesn't like anything. No. <laughs> yeah. uh, and what they do like is, is shit to everyone else. Um, I feel like they did have something to do with it or it like they're, they're someone who worked there or someone who, who follows them religiously made this AI bot because they uh they basically rip on your Spotify and whatever you listen to. Um they make fun of you if you uh listen to a particular any particular artist a lot. Uh they try to call your musical <laughs> taste basic. Um and then oh, they have a lot of superlatives about how bad your Spotify is, like it's eighty suburban bad or you watch Lifetime movies on repeat bad or something weird like that. So basically they just tell you how bad your musical taste is. Now I'm logging in right now. I want to see how much they hate me because I think they might be a little confused by me, but we'll see. They probably aren't. LOL. OMG. 
do you really list them spectrum by Zed? Yes, I do. <laughs> and it's like, are you sure? It's like something like that. And they have the songs like, that you listen to on repeat and they hate all of them. Oh, that's hilarious. I love Zed. What's wrong with Zed? Eh, whatever. I'll did report on this. It, <clears throat> I did. Um, I figured they'd like your taste in music, Greg. No. They're like, you listen to Anderson Pack too much and Masego. So. But those are people that those sorts of po- folks like. That's considered they, basic like, or not good Anderson, enough, according to Anderson the Pitchfork Pack? AI bot. Oh, God. Oh, they're calling me a Taylor Swift stand, and, I, and I'm proud to be one. <laughs> and Bruce Hornsby. <laughs> they hate yeah. everything. I saw an article where a guy thought he beat it. He beat the AI. And I thought it was because of his musical taste. It's not. It was just because there was like some error that kept coming up. I was like, did he listen to a lot of Radiohead? (laughs) 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 That'd be the only band. They'd be like, oh, you listen to Radiohead. You're cool. (laughs) Radiohead and Captain Beefheart. Oh, God. (laughs) Speaking of Captain Beefheart, how's Brian Cruz? (laughs) I don't know, man. That dude's weird. (laughs) I was listening to I was listening to Gary Wilson the other day too. Oh hell yeah! Because <laughs> that stuff's weird. <laughs> I mean, I like it, but that, that guy was out there. He was like a like a George Clinton on shrooms or something. I don't know. <laughs> like it was just the weirdest stuff ever. Um, but perfectly that's, fits I'm what gonna, Brian Cruz would listen to. But yeah, I'm definitely checking this out. This is pretty cool, Greg. Thanks for the suggestion. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh the I guess the blog or publication is called The Pudding. And uh, mm-hmm. you can find the link there for uh, to link your Spotify. I think they also do it with maybe they do it with Apple Music. It might just I know it's Spotify for sure. So yeah, I use Apple Music. So if they do it, let me know. All right, because I'm sure it's just gonna be like ew three eleven. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a three eleven stand. Ooh. <laughs> so yeah, it'll be something like that. Um. All right, so. Uh, Let's get to Ben's earworm of the week. Ben, tell us about it. Well, now I'm ashamed, um, but whatever. Don't let some uh, don't let some some AI bot on the internet dissuade you from the music you like. <laughs> oh, never and never. <laughs> so there's a song. Um, it was actually in a movie called "Rain of Fire," which is a, a decent movie. Um, but it's a band called Mad at Gravity. Um, their catalog was for the longest not on Spotify. Um, this is like my freshman year. This is one of my favorite songs. It's called Walk Away by Mad at Gravity. Um, and yeah, it's just awesome. All right. This is Walk Away by Mad at Gravity, and we'll be right back.
All right, that is Walk Away by Mad at Gravity from their album Residence, which came out in 2002. And you can find that on our BTT YHT Earworms playlist on Spotify right now. I hope they keep it on there, man, because they've got, and I don't know if you would like it, Matt, they have a cover of Come Undone that I could only listen to on YouTube before, but they have the single released on there. Mm. It's very different from any other kind of. I feel uh, like you've sent me the YouTube link before and I really didn't like it. But yeah, it's, it's quite different from. It, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll check it out aggressive. again because I do love that song. But so it's, like it's, Duran it's Duran? More aggressive than, yeah, by Duran Duran. Yeah. All right. I'm going to add that to the Duran Duran cover playlist. And let's do it later. Yeah, it's nothing like the original. It's nothing like the Dark New Days version of it. It's just it's oh, faster have, and aggressive. Uh, Jesse Jessica James. James. I was actually listening to her the other day, and I was I was telling Kendra about the time I did karaoke with her <laughs> down in <laughs> yeah. Noonan. What a weird thing! Like this, this is a weird night, right? Like yeah, <laughs> it was crazy. And then I looked on the radio, like oh shit, there she is. <laughs> it's crazy and now she's you know married to a i don't does he still does does eric decker still play no no he doesn't oh he doesn't damn man that those careers nfl careers are so short yeah save uh, your money. so um we started the this particular episode with the song uh, uh new way home by the foo fighters and it is from their album, The Color and the Shape, their second album uh, from 1997. Um, and the reason why, uh, you know, we kind of looked at one to look at this album. This was the album that put the band like really on the on the map is on a on a bigger scale. Uh, there mm-hmm. are uh, the self-titled. um debut it was it, it, it was successful um but i think at the time critics were looking at that looking at it as a one-off uh post nirvana um one-off it not to be taken seriously um and not to eh whatever <laughs> yeah so when he i don't remember but when he released the first one did people know it was him because I, I feel like in that documentary, he mentioned trying not like he didn't want people to know so that they wouldn't compare him to Nirvana. But I, I could be making that up. Uh, I'm not. 100% I didn't. Sure I that. didn't. Um, I didn't read that or, or hear that anywhere. Um, I'm probably mad. Well, he well, he. OK, according to the the little history here, he chose the name because on the debut, Dave Grohl played all the instruments. I don't know if he did on Color and Shape, but I know he did on the debut. He played all the instruments and yeah. he called it the Foo Fighters to protect his identity. And he gave copy cassette copies of the sessions to his friends. And then he got record label interest. Okay. And then he put together a band to perform the songs live. Okay. So, I mean, I had heard now that um, he was very sensitive to the fact that, because he didn't write and play for a long time after Kurt died, 
And he was, I had read somewhere that he was a little sensitive to the fact that of how people might view it. Yeah. So I think there might be some val- um, some validity to what you're saying, Matt. I don't remember, like you though, I don't remember where I saw it or read it. <laughs> but there was that, like him trying to be, a, you know, sensitive to the fact, because he did it not too long after. Yeah. And didn't want to seem disrespectful. But like he had songs when he was in Nirvana. I think they recorded like one or two of them. But. He, I mean, he was a writer and, you know, this is kind of what he wanted to do. So, you know, he, but I know I do remember reading for a long time after, not a long time, but like right after Kurt died, he just didn't do anything, you know? Yeah. Um, And then that kind of, you know, that, that debut album kind of brought him out and then he kind of, you know, played everything on it. I think he played everything except for like one guitar part, they said, which at that point, I'm like, well, you played everything yeah. <laughs> on it. And then the next one, yeah, he got the ba- you know he got the band essentially that toured with him to play this to play yeah. on this album. Have you seen that documentary back and forth? I, I haven't know. even heard of it. Oh, dude. Okay, so it came out a while ago. Back and forth, Foo Fighters documentary. It is incredible. I highly suggest watching it because it goes basically <laughs> from <laughs> Nirvana to whatever that present day album was. I want to say it was like when the Pretender came out, maybe. Okay. Ooh, but either way, um, actually, yeah, wasn't there an album called Back and Forth? I think that's why it was called that, uh, <laughs> or like, a, or a song. Mm, I don't know. Either way, maybe a song, yeah. not an album. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, highly suggest checking it out. It's good. Yeah, it's uh, based off of a song from Wasting Light. Okay. Which was a great album, a very underrated album, but yeah. All right. Uh, I will check that. Yeah, I'm going to put that in my queue to watch. Oh yeah, on the the yep. first album, there, uh, <laughs> Greg Dooley played the that that guitar part you were talking about. Yeah, mm. but you you basically played the <laughs> yeah played but everything. It, personnel, Dave Grohl, uh, everybody. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with this album, this is the second album, and you know what people know from this. Uh, from this album, the songs that that stick out, you know, as far as the singles, uh, Monkey Wrench was the first single. Uh, but then a lot of people know Everlong and My Hero. Um, uh, Everlong because of its uh, its video and My and because Hero it's... because of its inclusion in Varsity Blues. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> One of the hands down best movies of the 90s. Varsity Blues is awesome. It is it incredible. Yeah. And then Everlong is David Letterman's favorite song. Really? It's why he had them play that on his last show. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Huge fan that's, of that song. And the that's Fighters. probably he then why them. he would let them come on and just goof around then. Yeah, he loved them. Because I would see him on there. He did a... Um, God, what did he do? Well, I know there was the one time they played... I think it was My Hero and they had Jack Black come out. And he sung backing vocals. But then... Um, they were on there and they did, it was just him and Nate Mandel and they performed Stairway to Heaven. Oh yeah. And he's, while well, he's chewing gum. <laughs> yeah. And he's just singing the solo. <laughs> yeah. It was great. It was, so that explains that why he just let them come on and do whatever the hell they wanted. <laughs> yeah. He's a big fan. Uh, so with this album, it looks like, um, well, the, the first album was successful. Um, and Maybe you guys can tell me tell me the difference. Uh, it was looked at as 
the first album is post grunge. Um, and then the, the band wanted to make a more straightforward rock record. Uh, mm -hmm. what does that mean? Hmm. Um, you want to go, Matt? I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, cause I mean, we all know what grunge sounded like, you know, it's kind of like my first, in my mind at first is, you know, angsty, angry, upset rock. Mm. Like that's kind of how, and you know, really raw. That's immediately mm. what I think. So for the first album to call it post grunge makes a little sense. Cause like, to me, the production of it sounds very like grunge era, but then the lyrics and the the feel of them was a little more peppy, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> than most grunge. <laughs> so like I can kind of see where like he's sort of trying to find his way from rock into, you know, rock pop rock or or just, you know, mainstream rock or whatever. I don't know how to really describe it, but I like that's kind of how I, I see that statement. Cause then obviously the second album, the one we're talking about is way more produced like you know done more professionally mm -hmm. <laughs> so and and the songs are obviously more radio friendly and which i feel like is proven the fact that there were three singles off of it so yeah uh, probably could have been more honestly yeah uh looking at um gil gil norton is the was the producer of this of this album I was trying to look at who he had worked with before that may lend itself to they were looking for more of a pop polish. Uh, but looking at who he's worked, what he's who's worked with before that, I don't really get pop polish from that. Um, <laughs> uh, Counting Crows. Um, as far as bands that I recognize. Uh, Belly Delamitri. Uh, <laughs> Oh wow! <laughs> uh, Pixies, James, another Pixies album, and uh, Echo and the Bunnymen. Interesting. Yeah. Now after that, those though, are the, we'll just the names like, I recognize. So I think afterwards, though, he went a little bit more. So I mean, he he did the the SR seventy one debut album, which had um, the "Kick Me When I'm High" song. I can't remember the name of it. He did "Futures" by Jimmy Eat World, which I, I can hear his production on that. Um, and he worked with them again on Echoes, Patience, and Silence. Um, he did some Sum 41 stuff. He did you, and Me, you, Me at Six, which is a British modern rock band. They get lumped into emo sometimes, but they're more just modern rock. Um, some AFI. So, I mean, he... Oh, Twin Atlantic. Wow. So, yeah, he did, he, he did a little bit more poppy, but I, I do think for the most part, looking at it, he stayed a little bit more indie. Um, Delamitri, though, that's hilarious, right? <laughs> he did two of their albums. <laughs> oh man, that's hilarious. So, uh, that Grohl uh, liked the work Norton did with the Pixies, um, as far as hearing guitar overdubs and harmonies with significant clarity. Uh, would y'all be able to explain what that means <laughs> as guitar so players? Doing a little bit of, of studying. And by studying, I mean like I I, I take I've taken a couple of tracks that Matt has mixed and really just like try to break them down. But like yeah, when it comes to mixing, honestly, like with clarity, like you know layering guitars, you know whether it be using stereo left, stereo right, just knowing how to how to mix in that and not have it muddy up the mix. Your vocals are going to be center. 
And I feel like I'm screwing this up. Matt, you, you want to bail me out here? <laughs> no, what you said makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you want to keep big, it out of the mix. Yeah. The biggest thing is uh, you know, you gotta you gotta separate those frequencies. So that's mm-hmm. where uh, I think a lot of people hold on. Uh yeah, it's it's the the clarity comes from the understanding of all that, like not just Hey, I'm gonna throw a mic in a garage, and you guys go ahead and record because this is grunge. (laughs) 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 I kind of like because you know to to be able to distinguish things makes it a lot. To me, is a a, um good thing that makes it great for you know radio play and and the kind of pop side of what they were going for because it's more pleasing to people when it's not just a muddy mess. So, Mm -hmm. all right, yeah, um. Now, the one thing that came up here is that uh, lyrics were inspired by Dave Roll's divorce. Um, so I thought it might, oh, this maybe this should have been a country album. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, also, well, I, I'm I, I, y'all might be more familiar with the. Um, the well, I would I uh, was gonna say like more familiar with the debut, but Dave Rowe played all the instruments on the debut uh, because it says here that Nate Mendel had to practice more and get better at playing the bass uh, because <laughs> the producer was demanding more out of him uh, in the recording sessions, which mm-hmm. is weird because like Nate Mendel is a very good bass player. Um, and I feel like I I heard it more on from when One by One started because according to an interview I read with Dave Grohl, um, the producer actually cuts him cuts makes him um, cut his bass parts down. I guess he like they're really complicated, and he's like, all right, go back and do it again. Less complicated. He makes him cut them down each each time they record. Um, and I think I realized on that was the um, uh, was how was the lead single off of One by One. Um, all my life was that all my life? All my life, yes. Like he has some incredible bass lines and some bass and some runs, and that's why I started realizing, like, wow, Nate Mendel's a really good bass player. Then reading that about him, so it's interesting to know back in '97, they're just like, "Hey, dog, you got to step it up." Like, I wonder if he just like did the Mark Tremonti thing and just practiced and practiced and practiced <laughs> and got really good to where you're a complete. Which is something I really want to talk about one day: the fact that like Mark Tremonti, like was it like in three years <laughs> became a completely different guitar player. <laughs> he went to, um, he probably took lessons from David Pippen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to laugh at this because he might hear this. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've referenced but, uh, him before. Him and, I, him and I have never gotten along anyway, so I don't care. <laughs> he literally corrected me in the middle of a performance once. He can go to hell. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, he can go to hell. Um, but yeah, but yeah, maybe Nate Mendel did that. He just went and practiced really hard. And I was like, yeah, what now? And then they're like, dude, you're 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 too good now. I just well, take 10% off. <laughs> I'm wondering too, this is just popped in my head. I wonder if he got better by practicing purely out of fear of being replaced. Because you guys know the story behind the drummer on this album? Uh, that's yeah. what I'm looking at right now. Uh, William Goldsmith, who was the drummer on the album. Uh, Except he wasn't. 
Well, yeah, well, when they fir- when they first started recording, like, yeah, 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 yes, and then they didn't like how that turned out, so they uh, re-recorded and they replaced him. Yeah, and but the thing is, was it they, like they it seemed like he didn't know? Huh? It seemed like he didn't know until the album yeah, came yeah, out. Yeah, no, he didn't. They didn't know. It was I. I'm pretty sure it was Nate called him up and was like, "Yo, dude, do you know they're recording drums right now?" Because he was in a completely different state. Like he had finished recording the drums, flew back home. And then Dave heard them, didn't like them, and started recording and never told him. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and I think it was Nate that had to call him, be like, uh, what's going on? This is awkward. It says, but... According to Grohl, okay, this sounds like straight out of Hired Gun. Uh, according to Dave Grohl, <laughs> have you seen that documentary, Matt? Which Hired one? Gun? No, I haven't seen it yet. I keep. Kevin and Ben keep telling me I need to see it. I haven't watched oh, it yet. Because this is this is this is something that happened a couple of different times to where uh one of the examples was with uh Billy Joel had a had the same backing band for years. The same mm-hmm. guys. And uh one of the guys asked for a raise and then suddenly, you know, everyone went home and then a few months later Billy Joel has a new single. And he didn't know that he was out of a job until he heard the new song. Jesus. (laughs) um, Some guys don't know that they're out of a job until they hear the new song on the radio. Yeah, that's wild. (laughs) Yeah, that's when fuck Billy Joel, man. I like his music, but like that's such a dick move. That's why we call him a demon. He is a demon. (laughs) It almost kind of feels like that's where Beyonce and Matthew Knowles got the the idea from well, Billy Joel did it. <laughs> Let's make a new video. But don't tell him. <laughs> Billy Joel still isn't as bad as uh, Trent Reznor. So, oh, uh, yeah, Trent Reznor. Oh god, that guy's an asshole. <laughs> That's why I'm glad that Filter was so successful because it was kind of like the <laughs> middle finger. It's like, yeah, ain't selling pizzas no more, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so, I'm not. I'm gonna stop because you really have to see that it's such a good documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's so good. That's what we. It's the reason we have strong opinions about why we call Billy Joel a demon and uh, Alice Cooper is um, what's probably he the friendliest guy in the rock. The, yeah, just the the nicest guy of all time. He will pick you up when you're down. He'll give you a job. <laughs> um. So yeah, according well, it says there according to Dave Grohl, uh, Goldsmith's drumming had good moments. But his performances mostly did not fit what Grohl had conceived for the drum track. So the front man decided to redo them himself. Uh, Goldsmith even asked if he should go to Los Angeles because they were in uh, a studio in Washington State. That's where they recorded them first. And then when they re-recorded them, they went to L.A. Uh, But Grohl declined and said he was only performing overdubs. Eventually, Mendel <laughs> told Goldsmith the situation. Grohl said that he still wanted Goldsmith as a member of the band, despite replacing his tracks. But the disgruntled drummer decided to leave the Foo Fighters instead. I'm pretty sure he's still mad about it. Oh yeah, he is. I've read he's very upset about it. Like they, I don't think to this day, I don't think they talk. I don't blame him. I uh, mean, yeah, it's just, you know, not the best just way thinking about things. being in that position myself, like I'd be fucking pissed. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not how you do things, you know. Uh, Grohl has yeah. since said that he wished he would have handled things differently. I bet um, he does. Yeah, right. <laughs> but from what uh, I don't know if it was Matt, you, Matt or Ben, one of told me that even still today, 
Dave Grohl still writes the drum parts. That's what I've always heard. Yeah, someone told me that too. I feel like Ben's the one that told me. I can't remember where I read it, but that's what I always heard. Like he's basically writing the drum parts, and Taylor Hawkins just plays what he writes. (laughs) Probably, probably because of this, this situation. Like he has a way of because he's. I mean, he was a drummer first, then a guitar player. And he often talks about how he feels that every guitar player should learn drums and vice versa because it helps with writing and all that, you know, all that jazz. He's, he's, I have heard him say that in, in multiple interviews, that he feels that way. All right. Um, and uh, let's see. Well, of course, they were over budget um, because that's a, that was a big deal at the time. Um and the name of the album comes from uh, the band's tour manager at the time, who would often spend afternoons rummaging thrift stores and purchasing strange memorabilia. On one occasion, he purchased a bowling pin with red and white stripes, remarking to the band he liked, he rather liked the color and the shape of the object. <laughs> so the group found the <laughs> phrase arbitrary and hilarious and decided to use it as the title. And they used uh, they put they used the uh, British spelling of color with a U, because Gil Norton is British. Oh, I thought it was just interesting, just, just proper or something like <laughs> <laughs> the color and the shape, <laughs> <laughs> the Kalua. It's Lua Kalua. Um, so uh, uh, start with you, Matt. Um, what? What kind of what's the first thing that kind of stuck out to what the or the one of the main things you remember from listening to this album? Uh, Everlong. I think that was the first song I heard off the album. And. Uh, yeah, I think it was the first song I stole on the Internet. Yeah. AOL. <laughs> yeah. It's like awesome. every time I think every time I hear that song, it reminds me of uh, those AOL chat rooms that you would go and people would mail you their songs that they had and you'd download them from their mail and i'm pretty sure everlong was the first one that i stole and listened to (laughs) yeah and i just uh that song is awesome like the the production of the begin like the beginning of that song is so perfectly produced in my mind oh it sounds 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 so good yeah uh the story here is, is that dave Grohl came up with the um the melody um, and it's, he stumbled into a Sonic Youth ripoff, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he turned it into a song. And of course, uh, we, we found out with, uh, you know, a lot of these songs, they're written rather quickly. Uh, so this was written in 45 minutes, according to, uh, Dave Grohl. Um, uh, I, I do hear the Sonic Youth. Uh, yeah. Influence, <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, but the the main thing this this is the main thing that sticks out to me is the video for this song because it's <laughs> rather absurd. <laughs> the hand just like it would. The first few times I saw it, the hand just growing. It, I don't know why I like. I just bust out laughing every time because yeah, it, it was just it was so weird. Uh, but it made the. I think it, it's one of those um, visuals where it's it's something that you remember, 
And, yeah. you know, yeah. a lot of the what helps make the great song, if you have a great visual with it, it's more memorable. And this is why I think as of today, uh, ev- this is their most popular song on Spotify. It's still Everlong. And they've made, you know, all these albums and songs since then. Yeah. It is kind of wild to me that this is the one that stuck with everyone. I mean, not just, you know, it's a great song, but I wonder what about it (laughs) makes it stick out so much. Because to me, like, when you think, like, those three singles from this album, I kind of love to get, like, they all kind of sound the same to me. So (laughs) So I'm glad you said that because that's a point I want to bring up. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Because it surprises me that this is the one that people, because, like, to me, I feel like Monkey Ranch should have been, like, everyone's favorite. I thought that song was way better. I mean, not better. Yeah, yeah, no, I do mean that. I thought it was way better than Everlong, but, like, I don't know. Uh, an interesting artist who has covered this song, Rick Astley. Which is, yeah, it's not a bad cover, either. No, I thought it was awful. <laughs> 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 like, I love this, the, the sentiment and, you know, the attempt, but I thought it sounded bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I haven't heard it, but I it's a live cover. He did it during the pandemic. Well, I mean, we're still in the pandemic, but you know, when America Our was acknowledging, there was a yeah, when we still acknowledged there was one. Uh, and it's like according to a a reader's poll in Rolling Stone, this is the Foo Fighters' best song. Agree or I disagree? I disagree. I yeah, like I this song too. a lot, but I disagree. And maybe it's because I've been hearing it for the better part of twenty years. But um, yeah, I, I I think they're better songs. I think, hell, I think there are better songs than their next album. I think the best songs on this album, and I, I do agree with you, Matt. I don't think it's, I don't think it was necessarily Monkey Wrench. My Hero was really good. Um, so I that have, song is too repetitive to me. I have great memories of Enough Space, which you probably don't like because it's also kind of repetitive, but I love that. I love the riff and I love the energy. Um, but yeah, that's just, I mean, but I, I, I don't know. It's kind of, Everlong maybe is one of those songs where like, Everyone just likes it. It's got like a nice sing along chorus, and yeah, it's you know, I mean, it's got it like this, builds up kind of. It's got the 16th notes on the hi hat, which you know, and a four on the floor bass, which kind of you know, you can kind of bop to it a little bit, yeah. so that probably helps as well. But yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd have to disagree. I don't think that's their best song. Yeah, good song, but not the best. <laughs> um, well, since uh, you brought it up, Matt, what um with uh monkey wrench what is uh what kind of sticks out about that song to you um personally uh it's the, i like the guitar part better <laughs> it's a lot more fun to play like i'm thinking of it as a uh, as a guitarist like musician standpoint like it's a lot more fun to play it has that little lead in the beginning and like that total fake out silence or oh, yeah. you know that first one I don't think anyone can ever get it right except for them. And so like that song, I, I just really like that song. I've and then that whole, uh, like <laughs> that whole like rap, not rap, just when he's like screaming in the middle, that mm-hmm. bridge and just yelling. I really like, that's what, that's probably the best part of that song to me when he just starts ranting and ends up screaming. I really like that. Uh, how about you, Ben? Oh, I mean, it's so it's, it's so energetic. Um, I've never played it on guitar. Um, not that I'm not a good enough guitar player to play it. I'm just really lazy. 
Um, <laughs> and there's a ton of chords in that song and a lot of parts. Um, I have tried to play it on drums before. I know me, Matt, and Kevin did it once. Um, holy crap. What's the tempo on that song? No, I mean, it's, it's fast as shit, though. It's got to be like 112 plus. Uh, um, beats per minute, it says 174. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, it's a fast <laughs> song. That was way off. That was way off. <laughs> so that's why it was so hard to play. Yeah. Th- no, this, it's, a, it's, a, it's a crazy energy song. Um, and it's it's exciting. <laughs> it's got some cool vocals. Like the screaming part of the end is awesome. He does that quite a bit on this album, but the screaming part of the end is awesome. And um, I like the fall in fall out part. Like it just kind of gives it kind of like a cool, like it sounds like a callback, but it's not a callback. You throw it in at the end. It just sounds really cool, and yeah. just just such an energetic song. And I'd be curious to hear now thinking about this what was william goldsmith's part on this how did he play this song um yeah i'd, I'd be very curious to hear how he played this song Grohl has the the recording that you hear is Grohl on the drums so uh, of course it's because Grohl's fucking awesome <laughs> but this was the first video to ha- to feature taylor hawkins oh yeah because he joined and he joined uh, did he play anything on this album no, no. okay i didn't think so because he joined after yeah because Dave Grohl is like the prince of rock music. Like, I really think he's a perfectionist. But I think, like, he's just such a nice guy. We don't know it. But I think he's a perfectionist. And then, of course, he plays everything. So if yeah. you don't play it good enough, he can just, <laughs> just tell you to leave and I'll do it. <laughs> I don't think he goes as far as, like, Prince would, Prince would, like, fine you if you missed a note or something. Like, I don't think he does that. But I think he's a perfectionist. And he's, but he's good. I didn't know he played drums on this one though. Um, that's awesome. Um, another, uh, well, let's talk about the 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 third single. <laughs> um, oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> my hero. Uh, from what Matt has called the best movie of the nineties. One of one of. <laughs> I mean, I'd I'd go on a limb and say it's the best sports movie from the nineties, hands down. <laughs> I'm, I'm going through my mind. Uh, it's better than uh, any given Sunday. I mean, whatever you're gonna say, the answer is yes. <laughs> it, I thought that was in the, like 2000. That was like 99. Oh, was it okay? I uh, liked all of those movies. This one, in terms of subject matter, was really good. Was it its had, use? Was its use better in Varsity Blues or not another teen movie? Because it was kind of the same context. <laughs> Which was a parody, essentially. <laughs> well, I'm trying to... What, what was the scene that they used this in? In, in not another Varsity movie? Blues, I'm trying to remember. On Varsity Blues, it was the uh, like the, the district championship game. Okay. Yeah. Wasn't it like right when Paul Walker becomes coach or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> when he takes That's over. The sequel that we never got. <laughs> oh, yeah. That would have been a that would have been a good sequel. Paul Walker as a coach. <laughs> uh, um, but no, I I yeah. no this I so this is probably my favorite song on the album, um, just because of I don't know like I love the I love the riff, I love I know I know it is kind of repetitive, but I don't know I like that it's got like just a really good like energetic feel to it, 
not like fast energetic like monkey wrench but just like you know it's kind of you know kind of gets you hyped up you know uh yeah i yeah. i could go ahead i do get pumped up every time i hear it like that drum intro is awesome oh yeah it's great yeah but uh I, yeah as far as the song goes i feel like it's, it's way too repetitive <laughs> um dave Grohl said he wrote this song about ordinary everyday heroes because he did not have musical or sports heroes growing up uh, do you know who they thought it was about though uh i don't know people thought it was about people thought it was about kurt oh, uh, oh okay yeah, i can see that i guess i mean thought it was about yeah. kurt oh yeah uh he says there's definitely an element of kurt in that song um but yeah he says not really um <laughs> <laughs> which i don't think it is i think it's just people it was it was somebody looking for a narrative uh like, oh now, he wrote it about his hero kurt cobain like stop now it, it says itself uh, on the on the song itself there are two different drum tracks being yeah. played at the same time dave okay, Grohl plays one of them were. and uh it says he played the bass drum hi-hat snare and crash cymbals and on the second track the bass drum but plays the rack and floor toms as well as the snare. Uh, that's not fair. All those drummers out there trying to cover this. But because that's why of the I get so mad when I see them do it, try to do all of it at once and say that's the right way, and I'm like, no. Watch Taylor Hawken do it live and it's exactly what you think it is. Just a lot of <laughs> bass drum and then like and you know the snare and the hats or whatever. Mm-hmm. It says because of the drums being recorded as double track, live performances use a more simplified beat. Yeah, yeah, which so you don't have to play it that way. Me. You don't have to play it the double track way. No, a lot of drummers try to do it though, and it sounds like shit. Let's <laughs> <laughs> get four arms. <laughs> uh, yeah, the first time I tried it, 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 and I was like, wait, there's there's no way. I was like, it, it can't be done. It can't be done. Uh, have you seen you both have seen the video for this song oh yes awesome <clears throat> just uh, some dude remember if I have yeah some guy running in a built in a house in a house where the house is on fire he was pulling people out and in one random room the Foo Fighters are playing right vaguely it is, remember that. it's the craziest video I loved the video it's one of those I used to watch every time it came on MTV yeah. Yeah. Um, a man runs to a burning building. He rescues a woman's baby, another woman's dog, and a picture frame of the first woman. <laughs> and the <laughs> the eyes of the I remember the eyes of the baby and the dog are like blurred out or blacked out. So, I don't remember um, that. Oh. <laughs> like, okay, why did they do that? Um, and uh, you never see the guy's face. Yeah, you never see. It, yeah. Um, and this is the only video to feature Franz Stahl, who replaced Pat Smear. Wow. So there's that. Um, and it was the first, was this the first episode after? No, the, um, they did an acoustic version of the song on the late, late show with Craig Kilborn. Uh, after September 11, 2001. Mm. He was hosting that show that late? Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. 
He's a very interesting listener if you ever get to listen to him on anyone's podcast. It's very entertaining. Uh, pretty much after he left SportsCenter, I, uh, I lost track of Which is something I didn't know because until I heard him on, and I think it was on Ron Rossello's podcast, apparently he's a big Minnesota Timberwolves fan. Um, I totally did not know he was on SportsCenter, didn't know he played college basketball. Yeah. Hmm. Says he, he says he was good. Um, apparently loves Adrian Dantley. <laughs> Thinks that Adrian Dantley had like the 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 like the one of the best strokes. <laughs> like seriously, really likes Adrian Dantley. I was like, okay, all right, yeah, all right. He's uh, he's very entertaining though. Uh and of course, you know, we've talked about this before as far as music being used in political campaigns, and it seems like uh most of the time without permission. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh John McCain used uh my hero as a part of his rallies without permission. And, um, yeah. So the campaign, the McCain campaign noted the song was used properly under blanket licensing, which does not require the artist's permission. Yeah, that is a thing. Unfortunately, uh, huh. it's where you get the, uh, karaoke licenses. What is colloquially colloquially known as, all bars and restaurants have to have them. Um, you basically get them from each publisher, the two big ones, BMI and um, ASCAP. And it clears you to, you pay your dues each month. I think it's monthly or yearly. And it clears you to play like radio, stuff like that, because you're broadcasting it, you know. So it clears you. Um, I learned this because the Rome Street Tavern in Carrollton um, did not pay their dues for their karaoke license. And, um, Around the time that me and Matt were hosting that open mic there, there was some guy who would be who would show up there. We later found out he worked for the publishing companies. He was there to check out a claim to see if it was true. And once he found out that it was true, he reported it back and they got in trouble. They got fined. Damn. Yeah. So you got to pay that. <laughs> and all venues have them as well. So any venue that he would be having a rally at would essentially be covered. You can play any song that you want. Uh, with the, that song in particular that McCain, that with McCain's use, uh, they said that it's frustrating and infuriating that someone who claims to speak for the American people would repeatedly show such little respect for creativity and intellectual property. The saddest thing about it, about this is that my hero was written as a celebration of the common man and his extraordinary potential to have it appropriated without our knowledge and use it in a manner that perverts the original sentiment of the lyric just tarnishes the song. Uh, strongly worked, strongly worked. And yeah. then at the 2012 Democratic National Convention, they played the song, an acoustic version <laughs> of the song. <laughs> <laughs> and then later, uh, George Bush used the song, well, previously George Bush had used the song Times Like These for his reelection campaign in 2004. And then the band uh, performed a slew of shows in support of John Kerry. Who lost? Yeah. Shame. So uh, you just gotta ask, I guess. <laughs> just ask first. But I think like they 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 might be picky about when their songs are used because I feel like like they're um, Matt. You 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 may know better than me um, if you if you watch the entire series. I think that um, none of their songs were ever featured on Glee because they had beef with Ryan Murphy. Oh, yeah. 
They did have really? beef with him. Yeah, I remember reading about that. Because he didn't Dave Grohl say, I don't know. I think he said something about, you'll never hear me on fucking Glee or something. I don't remember. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Whoa. I mean, yeah. I've heard they've, I saw some video that where they said that they would bully rock bands. Um, into yeah, they tried, yeah, yeah. Well, that guy, whatever his name is, the creator, I've heard he's a total asshole. Yeah, Ryan Murphy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that show still somewhere where I can watch it? Because I've never really seen it. I don't know, but Glee? I can't believe I watched the whole fucking thing. It's on, on you Netflix still. <laughs> You're not wrong. We have. <laughs> <laughs> We've watched much worse. Yeah. It's on It's on Netflix. And I, I, I never watched the last season of it. Oh, God. When they go like five years in the future or something. Fuck, man. It's so bad. Um, that was after the cat that cast member died, right? The first one. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. The show's cursed. It's cursed now. It's Dude, all cursed. those people except for one that I know of. Yeah, has had some issues. Or, sadly, dead. Yeah. Mm. Um. The. Uh, yeah, I I didn't I never watched the 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 last season. Um. Uh, my hero has been covered by Paramore. Did you know that? Oh, that I think I have heard that. She does a pretty good job. Uh, it was that. Was it at like a USO tour thing? Uh, it says it was for the Sound of Superman. So it was the soundtrack oh, for Superman right. Returns. Okay. They did a. St- mm. <laughs> <laughs> That movie was that movie didn't need a soundtrack like this. It doesn't fit. But I'm being I'm being Is it uh, better or is the is the movie better or worse than Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four? Because a lot of people I've seen on social media say that movie is bad. My roommate hated it. It was trash. I was but I mean I didn't expect much. I didn't like the first one, so I didn't expect much. I thought it I thought it would be better, but um no, Superman Returns was head and shoulders above. Uh, Wonder Woman 84, and it was not a great movie. It was good, but not great. Um, they were too... This is what I don't like. Um, don't pander to me as a fan. Like, I was not old enough to see the first, or to really care about the first Superman movie, and this is... That movie was supposed to be a sequel to the second to Superman 2, so they pretended like 3, 4, and 5 didn't happen, and um, he just returns to Earth, and basically he is doing an impression of Christopher Reeve the entire movie. That's 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 the only reason they brought him on because he's tall, brown hair, blue eyes, and looks like Christopher Reeve, and it hmm. was a joke. Yeah, that's all they were trying to. When do. you bring the thing that uh, like I can appreciate about like what's happened with Batman and and now with Spider Man, if you're gonna just do one with a new cast or new story or a new main character or a different actor playing the main character, just like. Start it over. Yeah, just start a new universe. Just start, yeah. And when it's a gap of what twenty five plus years between <laughs> between yeah. whatever Superman they were trying to do a well, sequel to. They drug to. out the 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 um, Marlon Brando's monologue <laughs> and put it in the movie, and I'm like, come on, like this is so transparent. <laughs> mm-hmm. Get someone else to record it. I don't care. Russell Crowe was a great Jor-El in Man of Steel, but you know, people, you know, 
what you're going to do. Some really interesting um, band on this, on this though, Plain White Tees, Motion City Soundtrack, Paramore, The Spill Canvas, American Hi-Fi, Jack's Mannequin, really a who's who of that time. Um, half of these bands aren't really doing anything anymore. Just so. half? <laughs> if not more. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard from American Hi-Fi, The, Spills, the Spill Canvas, Jack's Mannequin, The Academy Is, Plain White Tees. I haven't heard from any of them in a very long time. Paramore, God knows what they're doing. I mean, basically at this point, Haley's just doing her own thing. So, yeah, yeah. I think they hinted at a new album, but uh, you never know. Yeah, uh, I found I was, this. <laughs> <laughs> just funny seeing these types of albums, though, when they're just like they're literally getting flavors of the month. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember they did that with the uh, the Daredevil soundtrack. Ugh. <laughs> hey, now that was the that was the rise, the birth, the introduction. Of, of Evanescence, for whom I don't really listen to, but it's just really funny how that how just that song took off. I just took the <laughs> fuck off, <laughs> <laughs> and it was during such a bad scene of the movie. You mean the whole movie? <laughs> <laughs> oh God! What a oh, terrible, man. terrible. Yeah, we had movie. broken. You know that was uh, that was decent. <laughs> Uh, you're, you're not you're not helping ben you're not helping <laughs> oh god that's the thing i'm the 10th dentist i enjoyed the movie <laughs> which is a funny subreddit by the way called the 10th dentist um some guy on there said he uh he likes his hot dogs cold <laughs> but yeah i mean i i get why it's bad though i'm not i i totally get why it was bad so yeah uh i found this rolling stone article uh, published earlier this year and they have a list of actually no this was this was for the 20th anniversary of the album's release so this is from 2017 10 things you may not have known about the record uh we've already discussed that uh the reference to the pixies um he wanted the dave Rowe wanted the second album to be a slick rock record with a touch of the pixies uh the first album was recorded in about five days, he said. I didn't really pay much attention to the production or the arrangements. It was just get in the studio and get it done. So mm. that's what the self-titled debut is. <laughs> <laughs> um, My Hero was actually performed in concert two years before the album was released. Oh, so they had done the song in 1995 and uh, he said when they went on stage, how you doing? We're the few Foo Fighters and we're going to do a song that we wrote three days ago. It's called My Hero. Nice. Um, uh, yeah. And at the time, Nate Mendel was uh, kind of doubting the future of the band. He said, can Dave write more songs? How is this writing process going to work? Will we suck? I had no idea. Um, the song Enough Space was written because the band needed a good set opener for their 1995 European tour. <laughs> that song is a killer opener. Yeah. I saw them perform that on Reverb, which was a show they used to come on HBO. Um, and they, oh God, it was so good. It was so good. I feel like that's what stacked actors was as well. 
like they oh, wanted yeah. an opener because it has that same kind of feel but yeah this enough space is awesome probably my second favorite song on the album just with this energy uh it was designed to get european audiences moving during the first minutes of their shows uh he said in europe and in england when bands play the audience doesn't beat the shit out of each other like they do in america <laughs> they do this bounce so everybody bounces <laughs> so they wrote a song to get everyone bouncing that's awesome they needed a bank they needed a club banger <laughs> pretty much um and uh he said that I had a melody and a riff idea, but I didn't know the tempo, so I jumped up and down and found a tempo by bouncing. I wrote oh, that's the song. Awesome. <laughs> well, that's great. I brought that it to Soundcheck. I said, hey, I have this new song. Let's learn it so we can open with it tomorrow night or tonight or whatever. <laughs> so, I yeah. mean, like, honestly, listening to it, the verse doesn't make sense. And the, and the chorus is just him screaming, there never seems to be enough space. Like, it's really, like, I can imagine that, yeah, it, it makes sense to read that very quickly. But I just, I love that riff. Like, it was one of the, on my 16th birthday, my sister got me the um, official um, sheet music or whatever for this for this album. And, yeah, I remember learning that song. God, it's such a fun song to play. Yeah. Gotta love it. Yeah, it's great. So, yeah. Um, what else they got here? Gil Norton pushed Grohl to write more meaningful songs than he'd written for the first album. Uh, it's like last time the lyrics were obscure for a good reason. They were nonsense. A few songs meant a lot, but for the most part, I just needed a vocal track. In no way do I consider myself a clever lyricist or even a lyricist. I can't even write fucking postcards. How am I going to write <laughs> songs that really grab someone? The first album, Foo Fighters, I was just so afraid of anyone understanding anything I had to say, but I had no choice for this record. Hmm. Uh, let's see the, well, we talked about William Goldsmith being replaced. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was another thing. Uh, he said, Goldsmith said later in an interview, Dave had me do 96 takes of one song and I had to do 13 Ooh. hours worth of takes on another one. Oh, wow. Oh, and, I bet he was extra mad. He was big mad. Uh, I said, it just seemed that everything I did wasn't good enough for him or anyone else. I think that everyone at the label wanted Dave to play drums on the record. The producer wanted him to play drums on the record. And it felt like everyone's trying to get me to quit. Damn. So they so, recorded 14 songs or 14 songs. There were 14 tracks made for the album, but very little from the sessions with Goldsmith made it on the album. So. 96 takes of one uh, song. What, what, is, there a, is there a certain number of takes where you would have quit? Five, Probably. maybe? Five or six? <laughs> like, if I, didn't, if I didn't do it right the first five times, probably not going to do it right the next five times. That's my, insane. My number's probably a little higher. I'd probably go, like, 20, 25. <laughs> and, that's, and that's one of the reasons I'm just not good at recording. I don't have that type of patience. <laughs> I I just I don't I I yeah I hate having to do redubs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like doing that. Like screw that. So yeah, oh, um, that's crazy. I mean, like that's he's ninety six takes of one song and then thirteen hours worth on a different song. That's insane. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we talked about Everlong that started as a Sonic Youth ripoff. Um, all right. So most of the finished tracks were re-recorded at Grandmaster's Recorders, a Hollywood studio that previously birthed massive albums by the Black Crows, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and Stevie Wonder. Hmm. So I've Stevie Wonder Black Crows a long time. Black uh, Stevie Wonder had done songs in the key of life there. The Black Crows oh, wow. had done Shake Your Money Maker. What? And the Red Hot Chili Peppers had done One Hot Minute. Wait, is that the one with this not the one with Dave Navarro, is it? No. Wait. Oh shit, it might be. I don't remember Let's now. See. Um it is yes, that's the first one. Yeah. Well, they only did one. Did I, hold on, yeah, no, no, wait, let me see. So no, that's not the one with Dave Navarro. No, yeah, he's on yeah, that. I'm is. looking at the credits. Wait, that's the one he is on? I thought he went yeah. on, I thought he was on the one after uh Blood Sugar. Was uh, it the one, one after but yeah, that this is the one after Blood Sugar. Oh, Ben said this is their first album. No, I said that's the first one he was on. I'm sorry. It's oh, the only, I thought it's you the meant only... that was their first album, period. It's... Oh, like, no, oh, no. So that can't be Dave Navarro. It's the one hot minute is the only one he's on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought he was on. Oh, yeah, because California Cation came right after that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I guess it was it was successful. I, I thought I thought like he was he was. Oh, he was fired because he was doing drugs. I thought he was fired <laughs> because the album wasn't any good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know he was on Aeroplane. Okay. Yeah. I, my my Red Hot Chili Peppers like his, is all screwed up. I don't know what came first or uh, second or what. Because I, I thought one hot you, minute was very early. Yeah, I, I, yeah, whatever. Chili peppers is a whole different topic for me. <laughs> um, well, we talked about uh, Goldsmith left the band when Dave Grohl re-recorded the drum parts behind his back. Um, is he? Do you think he's still friends with Mendel, Nate Mendel? Maybe. I mean, he think he, he warned might him. Be. <laughs> um. Yeah, Nate. Okay, I had to look. Like, is Nate Mendel still in the band? Yes, he is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so is Pat Smith. They got like three guitar players in that band now. Yeah. Uh, they all came back. <laughs> okay, the album title came from the band, the tour manager buying a bowling pin, and that's what's on the cover. Well. That was not on the cover, but kind of like the motif or whatever. Um, Pat Smear wanted to leave the band before the album was even released. And he stuck around until they could find a replacement. Um, when he, he said he would be leaving and the new album was going to come out, come out, May, came out May 20th, 1997. Grohl begged Smear to reconsider or at least go on tour until they could find someone else. So he agreed to do that. And he was replaced during the band's performance of the BMAs. They were, he was replaced mid set by former scream guitarist, Franz Stahl. I remember that. I was about to say that. I remember that performance. <laughs> yeah. And then he came back in 2005. Yeah, which and album they, was it that he came back? I think it was Wasting Light. Okay. No, no, it was 
Let's see. Or was it the one with uh, "When the wheels come down"? In your honor. Okay, yeah, that was in your uh, honor when he came back. In your honor, which album was in your honor? That had, had so many. That had "Best of You" on it. Ugh. Oh, okay. I guess you don't like. Yeah, that. I know we've had we've had this. <laughs> I love. I love. I've loved just about every album they've ever done. I I feel they keep getting better. Um, clearly, Matthew does not agree, but. <laughs> But yeah, I, I I still love Foo Fighters. Um, and well, that was it. It was just ten ten things you may not have known, but we've kind of discussed them all, and we knew them. Take that, Rolling Stone. Yeah, <laughs> I um, never liked you, Rolling Stone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got Rolling Stone in the same like realm as Pitchfork, to where they just they don't really like anything. They're not as bad. Um, they're just well, yeah. Pitchfork is a, is a lot worse. Pitchfork is a lot worse. Like they put together a list of the greatest guitar players of all time, and it was not the greatest guitar players of all time. It was a complete insult. That was the one where like Kurt Cobain was like number three, right? I think, I think so. Was, yeah, I think um, Jack White was on it. Yeah, it, it was. It was some very odd players, and. It sounded it sounded like the list of it sounded like the list I made in middle school before I played guitar. <laughs> and I would just my friends were like, Yeah, like Bob Marley is like one of the best guitar players of all time. Like because we didn't know any better, because we didn't play the instrument. <laughs> That's what that list was like. Yeah. Cause before I started playing guitar, I thought that Kurt Cobain was like really good. And then I started playing and I was like, I mean, he plays. <laughs> <laughs> he knows how to play. For the most part, you know, so yeah. Um, what other uh, well, here's the interesting thing. Um, as far as the song Everlong, Dave Grohl said that Bob Dylan asked him to show him the the guitar part for that song. Hmm, that's just weird. Yeah, why would he ask him to? Huh. Okay, I mean, yeah. Does Bob Dylan know about the internet? Well, I'm I don't, sorry. That when, was when was <laughs> it? Depends on when this was. Um, I mean, I guess if it was '98, the tabs might not have been out there just yet. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah when did true. I turn? When did I turn 16? Because I got the book for my birthday, and I mean. Bob Dylan's done pretty well for himself, so he could probably afford. Yeah, you know, he could probably. Book. But maybe it's just I mean, we like, can I really now. Meet, he definitely can I now. Meet oh yeah, he's, he's swimming in money. <laughs> I wonder how much. I wonder how much he's gonna leave the Jacob. <laughs> uh. Oh, let me stop. Um, but maybe he just wanted to meet Dave Grohl. Like, hey man, I really dig your stuff, man. Um, oh man, I I missed a good joke opportunity. Sorry, I was thinking about the whole hope he leaves enough to Jacob, and I was like, yeah, enough to get the other headlight fixed. <laughs> <laughs> that joke came to me way too late. <laughs> I missed my opportunity. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> He's like, here you go, buddy. Here's 50 bucks. What's this for? Fix that headlight. It's not safe. <laughs> we get pulled over. <laughs> uh, does he, are they still Are they still working? Uh, who knows? Yeah, it's crazy. 
it, it, it's really funny. Just it's like <laughs> your father is considered one of like you know greatest writers of all time, and you're you, you know. <laughs> like it's so hard to live up to. I mean, it's like it's like being LeBron James's son or Michael Jordan. Even well, LeBron James still might make the league, but like you know the Jordan kids didn't even make the league. Like they barely yeah, played I in college. Like yeah. I remember there was like a, it's just gonna be it's gonna suck. <laughs> there was this um when ESPN showing uh high school basketball games on on TV, and so they they were in Illinois and Eric Gordon, who currently plays for the Rockets, one of the top oh, players in the country. That he ate him alive. Oh my man! I think they won by like forty, and he had forty, <laughs> <laughs> and they were playing. He was playing Jordan's kids. Um, uh, I think one was a senior, the other is a sophomore. I think at the time, Jeffrey, I think they caught the other one is. Marcus, Marcus, and Jeffrey. Marcus and Jeffrey. Yeah, they scored a combined like eight points, and he had like forty. So I bet they walk home. <laughs> <laughs> he made a walk home. <laughs> oh God. Um, and it was it also reminds me when I um, I know the last time I went to get my uh haircut a couple of weeks ago. Um, in the barber shop, they since it was in the morning, I think they were playing. Um, what was on? It was either the View or the Real, one of those morning talk shows. And the guest, one of their guests was Ziggy Marley. And they asked him like five questions about his dad. Like Ziggy Marley has <laughs> new music coming out. They just wanted to ask about his dad. Uh, that spotlight, man. Yeah. That spotlight. I don't know if Dave Grohl has kids, but they'll be in the spotlight too. Does he have kids? Yeah, I think he does. I think he's got a few. Okay. Well, I mean, they're living on the hog now, um, and who knows? Maybe they'll they'll go into music. Who knows? I know a lot of musicians want their kids to go into music, and it's kind of like it's kind of like a gift and a curse. <laughs> yeah. It's like. It's like, you know, you'll always be able to entertain, but then like if you really get into it, like it becomes like this passion that you just can't let go. Yeah, it can be kind of detrimental sometimes. <laughs> but yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't give it up for nothing. Yeah. Uh so uh back to this uh, album here. Um Walking After You was a single, <clears throat> but not the album version. It was for the soundtrack for the X Files movie. Interesting. That, that was a decent movie. I don't really remember it. I it was. I mean, it was. I had never seen the show, so I didn't have anything to compare it to. So, okay. So I, but I didn't know this song was on there. It's it's been a long time. I had it on DVD, um, many 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 years ago. Um, cause I saw it playing on FX one day and got kind of into it, but I couldn't finish it. And so found it in the bargain bin in the Kmart, nice. picked it up for like three bucks, I think. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. They're all over the X-Files album too. Okay. Hmm. hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. It's X-Files fight the future. It's the name of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. They're, um, I remember they tried to bring it back. I, I'm, I was never an X Files person, so uh, I I enjoyed it. Uh, we had filter on here, tonic, Foo Fighters, Ween. Oh, and album Ween. of its time. Wow, definitely album of its time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
Cardigan's better than Nazareth. The Cure, Bjork. Oh God, how about this? Soul coughing. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Dust Brothers. Um, Sarah McLachlan, Noel Gallagher, because they probably weren't getting along at the time. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. I don't think I know one by filter. Hmm. Oh, it's a cover. Okay. Oh, oh uh, that's right. I forgot they did that. That's actually wait, really good. I like it. U2 or Metallica? No. Um, Dog Knight. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I know there are a few of those. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, is there any other like non-single track that stuck out to you? I'll start with Matt. Oh, Hey Johnny Park. Best song yes, on the album. Yes, Hands yes. Down. My favorite song on this album. To me, it's far beyond anything else on there. I will say it is better than the singles. Yes. Uh, what what makes this better than the other songs? To me, I feel like it's a better written song. Like I feel like he actually... I'm sure there's probably documents that say he wrote this one in like three minutes too or something. But <laughs> I feel like he spent more time on this one because there's a lot more... Um, I mean, it feels just like an actual song that was written kind of you know and um i like the uh dynamics of it you know you got the really soft verses and then but that drum intro is fucking awesome and yeah. the like kind of almost fuzziest fuzzy ish guitars and everything like dude the song is just so good and then the end when he's screaming the the verses and all that oh man it's a great great song i mean i to me it's their best song ever written i i and in their entire catalog. I don't think they've ever topped that. I love so I I in in terms of this song, I don't like the song Doll and I don't like the song February Stars, but like the the passage from Monkey Wrench to Hey Johnny Park to My Poor Brain to Wind Up is my favorite. Like those songs just it flows so nicely. Yeah. From song to song to song to song. They're so energetic. They're so heavy. Like, it's like, this is like, it's a true modern rock album with those songs on it. So awesome. And then it kind of, you know, up in arms, it kind of dies down a bit. My hero comes in, see you. But like, Monkey Wrench to wind up, so good. So good. And Hey Johnny Park, just the way it starts out, has that nice, like, it has that really cool riff. Yeah. That's a great song. Such a good song. Uh, this song, yeah. like it, Johnny Park was actually like a real person. Like, yeah, just a, a friend, friend of his. a friend of his that he hadn't seen in years. <laughs> and I remember thinking, like, when I heard the song, I was like, "Who is Johnny Park? Is he the subject of the song?" Or because like it didn't make sense. Hey, Johnny Park, and then he, it just didn't really add up. So. Yeah. All right, so Such Ben, it's the same the same for you. As far uh, as well, well, all those songs like so, my poor brain is a great song. Wind up, also like those songs. Kind of those songs are they're not singles, they're just like just rock, just straight rock songs, riff rock songs. Um, my poor brain has some crazy dynamics. Um, so like you know the loud soft thing, which I mean I guess you could say maybe he got from Cobain. I don't know. But like my poor brain, like has this like really chill, like has this crazy opening. Then it just goes really chill, but like this like really one 
like kind of guitar chord kind of syncopated. <laughs> like I think there's like an acoustic guitar in the background and he's like singing really lightly. Yeah. Um, and then wind up kind of is very similar to um, enough space, just kind of an upbeat track. But yeah, d- those four songs outside of my hero are probably my favorite songs in the album. Like it's, it's just nonstop the whole time. I love it. All right. Um, this album is uh, their best selling album. And it is. Um, I was just trying to pull it up. Okay. Uh, it was nominated for best rock album at the Grammys. It did not win. Who who beat it? Someone that's not rock. <laughs> Someone you may not consider rock. Um, John Fogarty for Blue I mean, Moon at a Swap. Time, maybe. Did <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Did the rest of Creedence Clearwater Revival try to sue him because Blue Moon Swamp sounds like one of their old other old songs? <laughs> um, do you know? Do you have up who else was in? Uh, yes. Who else was nominated? Yes. Uh, mm. Aerosmith for Nine Lives. Oh, great album. <laughs> uh, the Rolling Stones for Bridges to Babylon. And also a pretty good album. U2 for Pop. Mm. Okay. I'm telling you, I love, 97 was one of my favorite years of music. A um, lot of really great stuff that year. This album being one of those albums, and they, yeah. All of those were great rock albums as well. Man, that's a great year. But I think food... 98's better. That's when we got Limp Bizkit. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, was that when $3 Bill Y'all came out? Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. Counterfeit, right? That was on that album? And Faith and Faith, Stuck. Okay. Yeah. I was, I was a latecomer. I did not get into them until... I heard um, All in the Family by Corn, uh, that features Fred Durst. And then, of course, um, Family Values Tour and all that stuff. And I got um, uh, Significant Other. So I've never, I don't, I don't have a ton of experience on the first album. I didn't okay. know that's when it came out, though. Did you own a pair of Jinkos? No, my parents. I had the ripoff, the, the Lee Pipes. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh, that's, those were the Jinko ripoffs? I didn't yes. know that. Those are the ones you could find at like Target or JC Penney or something. Yeah, I never had Jinkos. My parents just they would not have understood. Ridiculous they, pants. They just wouldn't have understood. Like I I I'm still surprised with the fact that they bought me like corn and stuff like that. And I think <laughs> once they started hearing it, they're like, what is what the hell is he listening to? Like they just didn't understand it. So they didn't understand how I guess how quote unquote bad it was. Like it had a parental advisory label on it, but like it wasn't rap, so it wasn't uh, threatening. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it wasn't threat. Although they did let me buy the West Side Connection album, Bow Down. So maybe they just weren't paying attention. They didn't care. But yeah, they. Yeah, I remember I bought the I bought Follow the Leader and this and the debut album by Train on the same day. <laughs> <laughs> just two different just things, but oh man, that's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, the Foo Fighters would win Best Rock Album for There's Nothing Left to Lose. Uh, but that was three years later. Mm. Which is also a, a great album. Great album. Yeah. I uh, felt like they could do no wrong by then, and they were really embracing um, the silly video. <laughs> like I, it, just, yeah. it just worked. 
you know, Dave Grohl loved to dress up like a woman <laughs> and did it pretty convincingly. And he, and he he made Taylor Hawkins do it too. Yeah, yeah. like it was. Yeah, just thinking the he's hold he's like going on the plane and he's grabbing his pigtails like, oh, I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Dave Grohl oh, in the um the video for Monkey Wrench where Dave Grohl is in the elevator. You hear a they say a Muzak version of Big Me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the learning to fly video, when um, Tenacious D is cleaning up the plane and trying to hide cocaine in it, uh, <laughs> you hear a Muzak version of Everlong. I'm gonna go back. Oh, and, I don't think I, I heard, heard you that. that. At the yeah, at, I didn't at, know that's at what the it was. at the very beginning, yeah, it's like yeah. a like a. I can picture that part of the video in my head. I didn't realize that was Everlong. Yeah, enough. yeah, same here. Um. So some Easter eggs there. Um, so last thing here, um, what is the, how, how should this album be remembered? I mean, it was the second one and they've made, um, how many since then? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight albums since then. Uh, so how should this album be remembered as far as the evolution of the band or uh, how we look at rock albums as a whole, how we look at it now or anything like that? Whoever wants to go first. Hmm. It's a mouthful there, Greg. I don't know. Um, I guess I'll give it a shot. Um, <clears throat> so in terms of it, you know, with it being their best-selling album, it, I mean, it kind of feels like the one that they're they're. I would say that they're judged on, but like they've diversified their sound since, and they don't sound really anything like this one anymore. So, as big as it is to their audience, I don't know how much of a a legacy it leaves behind, other than just being a, a really really good album that they did back in the '90s. You know. Um, I think it still sounds good for its time for when it was made, um, which I think speaks to the the level of production. I mean, it still sounds like it could be you know released today, and I think it'd do okay. Um, but I mean, I don't really know if there's a big legacy to it. I mean, it was just it was an album that people liked that did well, and you know, everybody ate off of it, you know. Yep. Man. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree that in terms of how influential this album was when it came out, I would say not. It, like Ben said, it's an album that came out, had good songs, people liked it, and it kind of just set, you know, I wouldn't say under the radar, but it wasn't, you know, it's not like never mind. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but to me, this album is definitely their best. And, you know, I don't want to say that because it was, you know, one of the. F- I guess technically you could say the first as a whole band, mm-hmm. but you know, not their first album, but it's definitely their best in my opinion. And I know Ben said they've, you know, grown and, and they have changed their sound. And I kind of disagree. I feel like they, not that they've been chasing this album ever since, but I feel like they're only doing just variations of this same style. And it's, 
it's, it's kind of how it goes. Like, I don't think any of the songs that they've come out with, I'm not saying that they're bad in comparison. It's just this one's best. It's <laughs> like they've definitely had some really great songs after it and, you know, really good albums. But uh, and I don't personally compare them to this album, but I just feel like this is the best. I don't think they'll ever make one like this again, like in terms of just pure awesomeness. But yeah. <laughs> Uh, like I said, you know, I'm not saying that the rest of the, sh- the catalog is bad. It's just not this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I I I could I I could see where you're coming from with that. Um, and maybe it's it's partly, maybe it's part that it's a mental thing where maybe they are trying to chase that color and the shape uh sound that sentiment and the other half is just well we want to give the fans what they want and the fans just want another everlong yeah that's unfortunate in spanish <laughs> you will record everlong it's, there isn't there a spanish version of everlong i feel like I there is would not be surprised probably a band i i'm trying to well no they didn't but i, I saw on my honeymoon last year in mexico there's a band, um, they're all from Mexico. They didn't sing anything in Spanish, but I was like, I bet they could, and I bet it'd be awesome. <laughs> like it would've they were and they were really good. They were such a solid band. And they played, I think they closed with Even Flow. And I was like, I would kill to hear that in Spanish. Oh yeah, you sent that <laughs> to me, I think. I would kill to hear that in Spanish. <clears throat> I don't think I was trying, I, for a second though, I thought they might have done some Foo Fighters, but I don't think they did. Yeah. Um, see if there's anything else I wanted to add here. I think we've said enough. Yeah, we've said enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that will do it for our discussion on the Foo Fighters album, The Color and the Shape. Uh, check it out wherever you listen or stream music. And we'll get to my earworm of the week. Um, I know I didn't ask this at the beginning because I feel like I just asked both of you, even though that episode was a few weeks ago. Um, <laughs> uh, I've been listening to um, my Sophistapop playlist a lot. And uh, one band, a very obscure band, well, obscure to America, um, big in the UK, I guess you might say, is a band called Prefab Sprout. And uh, one song that keeps coming up when I play the playlist, because I just put it on shuffle. Um, and even though I think the list is over two hours, this song keeps coming up is a song called Cars and Girls uh, from their album from Langley Park to Memphis. So that is my earworm of the week. And uh, we'll be right back. Come on and grief 
That is Cars and Girls by Prefab Sprout. And I you... really like that. <laughs> yeah, see, I've never heard it, but I like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, they have, they have like, check out their catalog. They have a lot of, a lot of good stuff. Yeah, I just added a Essentials playlist to my <laughs> yeah. Apple Music. Um, so yeah, you can listen to that. Um, hear that song and our other earworms on the BTT YHT earworms playlist on Spotify. Um, and maybe Apple music because I get like a six months free or something because of my new phone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I go back and forth. I'll check them out every now and then. Um, cause they have, you know, they'll have stuff on there before at least that I could not hear on, um, on Spotify. So I will go to Apple Music sometimes. Yeah. So yeah, that will, um, yeah, that will do it for our program for our this particular episode. Uh, I I would like to read this before we go. I have my Spotify, um, your Spotify sucks thing. Okay. Um, says um, thank thank your obsessions with. So it says your Spotify was folklore evermore, Dumbledore. Which pop too many feelings, high notes and higher ponytails bad. <laughs> Thank your obsessions with Taylor Swift, emo, e.g. Fall Out Boy and Panic at the Disco, <clears throat> and Ariana Grande for that. Based on your listening habits, I can also tell your Spotify was, <laughs> these terms are funny, 90s middle school rock bad. <laughs> what does that even mean? Boomer relaxation bad. Sad sack Drake bad. Women of a certain age bad. No, women of a certain age obsessed bad, boring catfire bad. Unfortunately, that's not all we learned. You listen to these tracks too much. New Age Meds by The Wildlife, Waiting by Sugar Ray, What About Love Till Tuesday, Madness by Anchor and Burl and Judge Me by Hank Compton. And it says you stand these artists to an uncomfortable extent. Mariana's Trench, Drake, Taylor Swift, Fall Out Boy, and Third Eye Blind. You were twenty eight percent you were twenty eight percent basic. <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to be cool with City Sleeps, but your favorites are the same as everyone else's. You're stuck in the early 2010s. You must have peaked right around Ciara's Ciara. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> They're just cruel. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, this is funny. I'm going to share this with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> like, How bad is your Spotify? Curious yeah. how weird mine would be since I haven't really used Spotify in so long. Like, you don't touch this thing enough. <laughs> uh, and I, I got Jenkos pulled up, too. Oh, God. Thank God we left those in the past. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. 
Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Well, uh, that will do it for our this particular episode. Um, what should we end the show with? Uh, my poor brain. That'd be my vote. Did we play that one already, though? Yeah, we played that one already. So I can't always hear the audio when I'm on Skype. Uh, what have we not played yet? I guess. Uh, we haven't played Wind Up, Up in Arms. See Ooh, Wind you. Up is great. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to control this though. Does anyone else have any? Uh, wind Up's good. <laughs> okay. Wind I Up. I want to be the guy. Yeah. All right. We'll end it with Wind Up. So we'll play Wind Up by the Foo Fighters. Thank you, everyone who listened, and we'll talk to you very, very soon. Peace. Peace.